I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. In today's conversation, I am so thrilled to bring back one of my favorite people in the purpose world, and that is Shannon Schuyler, and she is Chief Purpose and Inclusion Officer for PWC. Today, we're going to talk about additional progress of all of the amazing programming at PwC, how embedding purpose is core to their success. They say in their purpose and inclusion report, I love the name of it, that they're not satisfied, that they're always hungry to do better. And what they say is there's good news because solving problems is what we do best at PwC. And just as they do it in their work for their clients, their people are bringing out the best of themselves through all the amazing work that Shannon and her teams and then her colleagues at PwC embed into that amazing organization. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much. First, Carol, it's great to be back. And um, and you are the true OG. Like, I, I always am um, humbled to be with you. So this is always fun, but always learning from you and the conversations that you've had. So enjoy this all the time. Well, th- thank you. And we just had our 150th show. Awesome. So for those of our listeners who don't know you, and I just hope that everyone knows you, but let's just... Let's just share your background a bit and this incredible role of the CPO and inclusion officer. Well, thanks for that. And so I have been with the firm. It's now 27 years I've been with the firm. And I have had an incredible just suite of experiences here. And so have been everything from client service to human capital to recruiting to marketing and sales um, in global roles. And then about five and a half, six years ago, I took on the role of chief purpose officer. That was after I had our um, CSR role, where it's more commonly known. And then three years ago, I ended up also getting our diversity, equity, and inclusion role internally, and then also lead CEO action for diversity and inclusion so that we can really galvanize in the market of how do we come together and really not look at diversity as competitive, but something that we need to all be able to handle both within our four walls and outside of our four walls. And so it's been an incredible journey throughout the firm. And I certainly have learned a lot of things. And you have been with me for many of those journeys. <laughs> Give a sense to our listeners of the scope of your team. You've got a beautiful team and you got a lot of people. I, I do. And, and to your point, I have one of the most amazing teams I think an executive could ever wish for. Our portfolio is really all those things that fall under ESG, but it's all those things that deal with an environmental sustainability. It deals with all of our social aspects. And so whether that's foundation or community or pro bono or volunteering, also all of our diversity, equity, and inclusion work, also how this feeds in and touches things related to policy, making sure that we're looking at the implications of the decisions that we make and what that looks like. And you have what, what, rough and tough 100 people? Uh, Just about that. Yeah. Okay, great. I would love you to give another pearl or two of how the heck did you live and breathe and embed your purpose? And your purpose 
is to build trust in society and solve important problems. We know it's a journey. And, you know, in our last podcast, and we'll put that the, the first podcast in our, our show notes, but you used to be a command and control. You were, you know, an actuary and accounting firm and, you know, and you shifted. And so can you explain why you shifted? And then what are the secrets to making this an integrated core function of the organization to bring out everyone's true potential? It's such a great question. And you're right. It's it's not easy to do, but you have to have buy-in. And I think when you look at the boilerplate and what comes first, it's not what we do. We focused for a really long time, and I still think we were driven by a purpose and by values, but we focused on the what. We focused on protecting the capital markets. We focused on transforming our clients and their new business strategies. And so that was what we did, which is incredibly important. But as you look at the world that we've been in over the past 5, 10, 15 years, this isn't about looking at the short term. This is about why do you do what you do? Because the what's going to change. The what's going to have to continue to meet the needs of society and the economy and your clients and your customers. But why you do it should be at the core of your culture and your ethos and all decisions that you make. And that purpose statement is our why. And so if anyone struggles to say, given where we are in the world today, given the large macro trends, whether you're talking about globalization, ageism, issues from political strife, all these different things that are happening. So why? Why are we doing what we're doing? And I think that's been so important. And we've had our people go along that journey with us and allow them to talk about their personal why. Because we realized for them to want to buy into a corporate why, we had to let them see how they fit in. And I think that that's how we started to get the masses who talk about the why in front of their meetings. They talk about it before they start saying, remember, this is why we're going to be on this job. And then they can talk about what they're going to do and the transaction of it. But it sets a whole different level of motivation when you have that greater calling. And, and is that part of um, my story, your story? Because I think that one of the things you talk a lot about um, to create meaning and belonging with PwC is identifying the personal purpose of an employee and then linking it to their work. So can you talk a little bit about, again, it's a refresh, about the power of my story, your story, and how it's working now? Absolutely. I think one of the things that we realized is people need to understand their purpose as early as they can within their career. You and I have talked. I never thought about my purpose until I became chief purpose officer. (laughs) Well, now you can have individuals come into the firm way early on and start to think about what drives them. What are the things that actually make them make the decisions and make them feel meaning in their personal life as well as in their work life? And we want people to do that as soon as they come in. And so when people come in, they do a purpose assessment. We now have almost 20,000 people who've done their purpose assessment, which gets fed in and shared with their coach and the managers and directors and partners that they work with so they can have an idea of the motivation of what are the things that are going to really get the most out of this individual. Do they like to work in teams or individually or who and what causes do they want to be able to support? It allows this then to leverage different types of technology to push opportunities to them so they really see that they belong here and connect 
connect them with other people. And then it also allows them to go into a self-ID platform that allows them to self-ID in the way and in the order that they want to. It's not your normal get in the system and it first asks, are you, what is your race, ethnicity, or what's your gender? You can say, what do you what do you care about the most? How do you actually identify? And we're really proud that over 72% of our people have self-ID'd. And that's at a time where people are saying they want to check fewer boxes. Our people are saying, no, 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 we trust how you're going to use this. And this is the way that I feel like I'm going to belong. And so we have more people doing that. And so that's all a part of the My Story, Your Story platform, which starts the storytelling, which is how we talk about our people, but then how we talk about serving our clients. You do a lot of shared, you know, open sourced information, which blows me away. I mean, it's taken you hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars to create this IP and you share it. Now, is my story, your story, one of those shared or there's some others? Because I you've got so many great programs. I'm not sure which ones you share and which ones you don't. No, so my story, your story currently is um, an asset that we have that we're looking at whether or not we can put that into something to be able to share and to be able to even for some um, clients be able to sell it who are really mm. interested in looking at that. And so again, I think that that from the standpoint of myself, who's not client facing in that way, to be able to have the opportunity in my group to create a potential product fabulous that's that valuable that the firm would then look to deliver that to our client. That's showing that we're really a part of the business strategy. We're not over here on the side and and not adding to the bottom line. And I think we've had great opportunities and we've done that in a few different cases to be able to take the materials that we created, be our own best qual, and then be able to turn that out. What's your favorite um, shared asset that you have developed and you've given to the world? I think our digital upskilling. And so one of the things that we did right before COVID, and so timing was great. So for all 300,000 people within the firm, we created a digital upskilling badge about the eight largest technologies to really help us to get into the future. We've given, we've open sourced that. So we have open sourced that to nonprofits, to schools, to be able to take that curriculum and to be able to use and to really gain strength from it because we think that is the power of the future talent that's out there to be able to have that type of curriculum. So it's exciting to be able to see that we're not looking at this as competitive in that way, but rather how do we build capacity in communities and in the broader marketplace? Excellent. Okay. I want to just get an update on the new equation. Because that is your global strategy to truly bring your purpose to, you know, trust and solving big problems, providing solutions to the to your clients around the world. So how are you doing? And let's begin to lean into a little bit of challenges because it can't be perfect as you roll out something that comprehensive. No, I- here you are. I've been here 27 years, but an organization that's around you know 170 years old that has always had the same business structure. We've always had lines of business. We've always had our tax practice and our consulting practice and our audit practice and our IFS internal firm services practice. And three years ago, we said, you know what? Not anymore. We're not going to have that anymore. This is how we're going to stay competitive. This is how we're going to be able to live our purpose and go to market in a different way and really reimagine our firm that we're not just a services firm, we're a products firm. And we need to find ways for our people to be more agile and meet the not needs of today for our clients, but those ones that are into the future. And so it was hard. Everyone had a new coach. Everyone had a new boss. Everybody had a new um, way of working and sometimes different 
clients as well as different portfolio. And so I think that was hard. And and I do think that there was probably part that we underestimated the personal change that goes into that because we were so focused on wanting to make sure that we didn't miss a beat with our clients. But it has put us in such a special place now where people have reimagined what their work looks like. And instead of having it in silos, they've come together to realize how do they bring the full one firm, the full power of the firm to bear, whether in our communities or for our clients or for our people in a way that we've never done before. And it's been incredibly exciting to watch it happen. Fantastic. That sounds quite amazing. I want to go back to, you said coach twice. So what is this coaching function at PwC? You know, it's interesting. I I think people interchange these words around coach and we have relationship leader and we have mentor. It's more about somebody who's going to be able to be close to your job and really have an understanding of how you are motivated to find meaning in what you do. You're an associate and you're a senior associate and you go up in your practice and you go up in your line of business and you continue that work to say, you know what? What if you flipped it? What if you let our people pick where they wanted to go? What if our people decided who they wanted to work for? What if our people said, I started in this practice, but I'd like to be in this practice? What would that look like to do instead of it coming from the top down? And so we're in the middle of creating that experience for our people to move seamlessly from one group to another, getting the education they need as they go, but putting it in their control, letting them own their career and letting the firm take a further backseat to where everyone has to end up. Interesting. That's so fascinating. In some of your articles, and you did a podcast with Tim, and um, the introduction to that podcast was um, that the uh, interviewer said that your CEO is also your chief culture officer. Tim, to be clear, Tim is our chief culture officer. Tim, for sure, is the chief purpose officer. Tim is our chief values officer. Tim, Tim is the guiding light and force around what we are able to do. And I think he sets his high expectations of what he wants this place to be. That's fantastic. I wanted to ask you about the role of values in embedding purpose and how do you do it well? And were there any challenges in um, embedding it, knitting it into the purpose direction? One of the things that Tim started into play really early is for people to understand that a part of every meeting that we have, we started out with what's called a value share. And the value share is that partner or that manager who's ever leading the meeting says, this is the value I would like to talk about and how it relates to the job that we're about to work on. And it doesn't have to be long, be a couple minutes, but it puts into context that care is not a word. Care is a part of the ethos and the behaviors of which we're going to carry out this job. And that's a really important one for us to understand as we deal with a sensitive topic. Or we have been asked to transform a business. So we're going to really look at reimagining the possible. This is about thinking outside of the box. So we've made the values come to life. They're not just values that show up on your badge. They're values that actually show how we're going to live our purpose on those engagements and with each other. And what happens when they break down? What do you do? We reinforce them. We go back and say, did we do that? And where did we not? And where did we go off the rails? And I think we've become a much more 
focused organization in talking about when it doesn't go right. And one of the things that we say over and over again is do not go it alone. And so when you think that it's going off, pull as many people in as you can, because we're in it together. And I think that has really helped us that if something goes a little wrong, it allows us to come back together and say, let's be clear, what do we stand for here? And so what do we need to do to make sure that we're living up to our purpose? That's clear. But how many individuals of those 300,000 per se truly have the, oh God, ability to say, hey, the, let's, you know, stop here, call it, call an audible, and we've got to get back on track. I mean, do you, it, it, you can't be everybody, be, and, they're not, and they're all not going to be as passionate as you. I will tell you, over the course of the several years, it is such the majority of our people who get it. It, it, it is such, there is not anyone that I interact with across our globe that isn't, doesn't say this is the per, like, how does that align to the purpose? Doesn't challenge you about, is this really what we said we would do? Does that really build trust or is that really an important problem? And I think that that is incredibly exciting to be able to look at, to see. And that is really unique. So more and more of our people, I feel because we have such a strong purpose, feel more empowered to raise the flag when they don't feel that it's something that is going in the way that they believe really aligns to our purpose. So they're not going to get in trouble. No. Oh my gosh. The more people say, hey, are we sure we have this right? The better. We need, and what we've really found is that over the course of the last several years, that is now happening across the board. I mean, what we found even with digital upskilling, that it's some of our more junior staff who actually know more of what to do and how to appropriately use bots and how to start to use Gen AI and how to use these types of tools, that they're actually taking the lead and they're saying, should we be using it like this? And they're informing people who might not have had that opportunity throughout their career. And it's an amazing thing that's happening. And in your digital upskilling, when we had our last conversation, you said that when someone says, hey, I don't know what this is, that they're not going to get, they're not going to get in trouble. And that is extraordinary. Like, you're not going, oh, God, Joe or Sally, they don't know this stuff. We're going to move them out. You find a place for them to function well. Well, what we said is if you go on this digital journey, if you go on this journey to find and to, to explore and to gain the knowledge and gain the skills, you have a role here. Like you have a role here because this is is what we're saying is going to really lead us into the next place. And these are the same people, Carrie. And I love it that we have been sending our employees to board meetings, public board to show what we can do around a technology standpoint because they're so confident and they're so ready for those opportunities. Yeah, it's kind of the antithesis. Remember the olden days with GE and Neutron Jack? And he basically said, we're going to get rid of the the bottom 20% every year, every year, every year. They're not cutting it. And that's absolutely the antithesis of what you're doing. Yeah, no, it's been a, a phenomenal evolution. Love that. Love that. Let's talk a little bit about externally. And uh, you can name companies, you can name industries or whatever, but purpose is here to stay in you know many different companies such as yourself or others it's being done brilliantly but others it's being greenwashed pinkwashed or whatever you wanted to talk about the watchouts 
or some situations. So let her rip. I do think that the role right now of the CEO is one that is so incredibly challenging and in many cases fraught with peril. We're back in that thought. Do you focus on shareholder primacy or stakeholder parity? right? Are you looking at this being for the dollars? Or are you looking at this being for the greater good? And it's getting separated again. I do believe that most companies are still leaning in. They're just trying to understand and they're trying to be agile enough to say, what do I lean in now? Like, so if right now there's a little bit strong that's coming on with DNI, and I'm trying to understand some political uh, and some rulings that are out there. Well, let me lean a little bit more into the environmental. And then when the environmental goes a little bit off and we have regulations that are not going through, people are saying, then how do I focus in on community investment? Which is why I think having these things come together makes the most sense. And, and you know, and I follow Alan Murray a lot from Fortune. He's got a CEO group and I know you guys are involved in it. And he basically says, maybe they're not talking, as Larry Fink said, I'm not going to use the term ESG, but we're still going to do the work because it adds value and it brings our values to life. So um, can you give any, just, you know, talk about a situation, maybe you've seen a company and you've been watching it and they failed. You know, how does a CEO make the decision You've got safety, you've got our values. How do they make that, you know, how do they act in that that really tough situation? I think what we're seeing is that CEOs have now realized even more so the complexity where it's not just a revenue issue, but to your point, it is a safety issue. It's a brand issue. It is a people issue. It is a community issue. It is all of these things wrapped together issue. And what we have is we have a group that comes together. So when anything is about to go down, we get together within hours of it happening. And it is myself and it is um, head of communications and it is brand and it is our general counsel and it is human capital and it is our head of policy. And we sit and say, what should we do? What is our advice to Tim and to leadership on how should we look at this issue from all of our different perspectives and give our recommendation for how to move forward based upon looking at what do we think is the most important here and our people's safety and then being able to do their highest quality job possible that comes first, but then what are all these other things? And that has helped us to be able to make good recommendations, knowing that not everyone's going to like them. I mean, we spend a lot of time, like everyone does, putting out really nice communications. And, you know, you're always going to get the people saying, oh, I don't like that one, but you're going to get people who say they like it. Um, but I think the more the CEO can let those folks in so that it can really be a united conversation, those conversations for us are hard because we don't all agree. But at the end of the day, we agree and say, we're going to stand behind this decision, no matter what the backlash is. And I think the more CEOs do that, the better off they'll be. The consistency, we, you know, analyze, look at all the way, all the decisions, bring in your, your key leaders and such, and then make a decision and stick with it. And do it fast. Like this isn't what we cannot wait till, you know, the cycle is over. Yeah. How fast do you have to go? Oh, I mean, within a day, within hours sometimes. Let me let me make a pivot, which is um, I saw something on your website, which was quite astounding. July three to seven, you did a firm wide shutdown. 
And that was your second you shut down also over the holiday. Of course, you you know, you help clients if they need the help. But this was about providing well-being and supporting the mental health of your colleagues. Um, how important was that? And that must have been a hard decision because that's you're forgoing a lot of billable hours. Well, it's interesting. One of the things that we've realized now for the last couple of years is having our people being able to have these long shutdowns is something that recharges people. And the greatest thing about them, and we do them uh, between three and four times during the year, it allows everybody to be off at the same time. Which means when everybody's off, it's not just that you're at vacation and then everyone else is working and you're going to come back to things. It's saying we all need this and we all need to step away. And it's valuing what you personally want to be able to invest in, whether it's your family or friends or yourself, to be able to do those things. And our people respond so incredibly. And we get and we gather the the pictures. I saw some of those notes. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I know. And what they what they do. And, and it's it's just so amazing to see. And the thing is, is we'll make up those hours when we have people who are recharged. There you go. That's a key point. We're going to make it up. It's not about losing. It's about saying we're going to do better because people are going to deliver higher quality, more work. When they come back because they'll be ready and they're thankful and they want to be together again to to be able to do that. So I think it's a it's something great that we do. That's a great point. That is a great point. Well, and the other thing that we do that I, I think is really unique is Astro, which is one of our platforms that we do everything through. You can find out anything. You can ask Astro, just how much vacation do I have left? Or Astro, tell me about a benefit. And Astro tells you about the benefit. <laughs> it's right. the greatest tool. And now when somebody's looking to go on vacation, they tell Astro when I'm going to go on vacation. And then Astro sends the message to whomever on their team. And then they are asked when they come back, were you bothered on vacation? Wow. And what we've said is your vacation is uninterrupted. That is amazing. It's interesting because you talk about, and I think in your in your purpose and inclusion report, you talk about human-led services with tech-powered solutions. And that's exactly, that. that, that is a great example of saying, give me the time, leave me alone, let me recharge. Hey, as we wind down, um, I wanted to, you know, this is not going to put you on the spot, but you had uh, 2023 predictions. It was a blog that you uh, wrote. And um, I'd just like to ask you, where do you think we are on these predictions? So the first one is DE&I is no longer a journey. So how are we doing on it? That I'm amazed by how many more companies are really looking at data to drive decision-making, especially now. I think especially now, people have to have a full understanding of the data to make sure they're making the right decisions around their recruiting, around their internal programs, to make sure that, again, diversity is for all. It's not for just one group or another. And I think that it's going away from being a one day, we will be diverse (laughs) and inclusive, to saying we have to have mile markers in order to get there. So I do believe more and more companies are feeling more free to be able to use data to get to a solution versus just say, I don't have it. And so I'm going to journey my way and program my way out of it. Okay, great. Your second prediction, purpose is a deciding factor for talent. What we have found is it continues to be when we look at the talent who has come to our organization based upon the decisions that we made, what we've said is that it's a part of 
why we're in business, because that's who we are. And that has, that has made more people come to our organization. It's made them stay longer in our organization and really see that we're something different. We are known, especially off of college campuses, as being a company who has that humanity and has that purpose. And it has been central to our talent strategy. And then your last prediction was no more sidelines. Now that we see where CEOs are, no one's allowed to just put their head in the sand and pretend it's not them or not their industry. Everyone's going to be have to say something about it, whether it's to their boards, whether it's to their people, whether it's to answer to somebody who's questioning them. And I think the hopes that some people had it just hoping they didn't get the tap on the shoulder. I think they're realizing now the tap's coming. It's just when it's going to come. <laughs> You're so funny. You are so funny. So now let's, um, we're not quite into 2024, but you were so gracious last year on our purpose predictions. But what are you predicting a little bit for 2024? Let's get really early. You'll be like maybe the first one to lay something down. It'll be interesting to see where Gen AI goes. I do believe that that is going to be fundamentally different for each industry and each organization and change and change who we are, I think in a very positive way, but I think we all have to step carefully in order to make that happen. Um, I know we had talked about before, we've committed a billion dollars to really educating our people. We think that everyone across the board needs to be able to have the conversation, see how it fits into their work, see how it fits into their clients' work, make sure that they're very savvy on it. So I do think that that's going to be a significant part. Good job. Floor is yours. Mike is yours. How would you like to close this great conversation as always? What I have been practicing, stoicism. Stoicism. Yes, I have. And it's not what you think. It's not because you know me, I can't be stoic. Like just <laughs> in my general, I'm not that. Um, but but some of the key things around it. And so I, I say these 10 mantras to myself every day and I'll send them to you. But one of the first that goes right through this is practice gratitude. And so be thankful that you're in the present. So Carol, I want to thank you for doing this, allowing me to be on this incredible podcast. And, and I appreciate the friendship that I have had with you. The second is stop caring about what other people think. That tranquility of what you think is actually what's most important. And then the third of the 10 that I really live by every day is pick the right handle. In every situation that you're going through, you have the opportunity to pick the handle that you're the victim or pick the handle that you have an opportunity to grow based upon what you learned. You decide what to pick. No one can make you pick it. And I think those things, especially as we're going through these trying times, are a couple of the things who that have helped me during my days as I get up and look forward to tackling the next set of issues. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So, so Shannon Schuyler, the OG, you really are an OG. Maybe we're OG sisters. Um, something, something. I'd like, like that better. That. Okay. Something like that. Thank you for, for your generosity of insight and ideas. And it's just always wonderful. And, you know, PwC is incredibly special. And so I love diving into all the great work that you're doing because it is just, it, it creates a magical environment. And, you know, to um, build trust and to, to solve important, critical decisions, we, we need a lot of that. So thank you for your leadership, your wisdom, your humility. Thank you. Talk to you soon. This podcast was brought to you 
by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Ann Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cone on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson, our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. You know, we love hearing from you, so please give us feedback. Let us know names of people you'd like to hear on a future episode. How about some new questions to ask? And also, please rate and rank us, because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available, so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. We all know every company, every brand, every not-for-profit must define their purpose, refine it, and activate it, and evolve it over time so it has the greatest impact on business, growth, and society. And by listening to these episodes and sharing them with your colleagues and talking about them, I want to inspire you to have an amazing answer to this question. What is the power of your purpose? Thanks so much for listening.